Welcome back to Wind Down with Kev. It's been a minute, but we're back. It's been a busy year. I became a business coach with Craig Wiggins Coaching. I published a book with JM Publishing, and I became a best-selling author. Definitely didn't see that one coming. I've been running around the country, speaking, traveling, and enjoying every minute. But now it's time to get back to podcasting. This is my favorite format for sharing amazing conversations with incredible people. Welcome to season four, Behind the Red Doors. Come on in, check it out. I have incredible guests lined up just for you. Welcome to Wine Down with Kev, season four. We are at the palace behind the red doors and we are in the VIP section with the guest that I'm so excited to talk to you about today. This is a young man that I've known for a very, very long time. I've been impressed with him uh, when I knew him as a youngster, but I'm very, very impressed with what he's doing in his manhood years things he's doing for the community, he's a family man, he's a good man, and he's a consummate behind-the-scene leader doing many, many wonderful things that you're going to hear about. So, ladies and gentlemen, for those of you that don't know him, Mr. Daniel Lloyd. Danny, talk to people. Tell people your name and tell them some of the many hats and titles that you're wearing, some of the things that you do. Yeah, and I, first of all, I want to say thank you. You know, I appreciate the time to, to sit with you and definitely share a bit about the work. My name is Dan Lloyd founder and president of an organization called Minority Millennials. And I do wear many hats, partly probably why I'm bald, so I wear the hats <laughs> to cover this, this, this bald, light-skinned head. Um, but pri- primarily the focus would be Minority Millennials, you know, nonprofit that we help young people of color access jobs, build wealth, and become civically engaged. The focus is civic education and, and to bridge the gap between policy and culture. I'm also the program director for an entity called Accelerate Long Island, which is a collaboration between um, Long Island's world-class research institutions. We like to say the big five. So I work directly with Stony Brook, Hofstra University, Brookhaven National Laboratory, Cold Spring Harbor, and uh, Northwell. So All fine right. scene institutions. So I have a couple of timeouts that we're going to use in this podcast game today. Yeah. Because when you mentioned Accelerate Long Island, you and I talked a little bit offline before we started. And this is a two-comma conversation. So when I say two commas, I'm talking about two commas in front of the decimal point. We're not talking about hundreds or thousands of dollars. We're on the second comma, which is into the millions. So how much money are we talking about when we're talking about Accelerate Long Island? So we just completed a state RFP for $50 million. And that $50 million is also a smaller component of a $350 million Long Island investment fund. Uh, Governor Kathy Hochul announced last year. So we've been able to position ourselves as an entity. I think we're, we have a strong chance of winning. We're probably going to have some competitors. But as I mentioned, not only do we have the big five, we also have the support from the Broad Hollow Science Park, Farmingdale College, NYIT, um, you know, any of the schools that you could think of and a lot of the business entities, the Long Island Association is uh, the lead entity with this project. So we're excited. And if it works out, we're going to be doing a $5 million a year business plan competition for five years. And we're going to select up to seven life science biotech startups each year to come either locate, to relocate to Long Island or local startups that are looking to get into the biotech space. 
Um, I would also just say I'm doing a number of events under Accelerate Long Island starting next month. So that's open to all entrepreneurs. So that's okay. not just life science and biotech. The goal with that is to really create a regional ecosystem that is inclusive but also um, accepting to ideas. Yes. Uh, Long Island is a weird peninsula, you yes. know, and, and we're fragmented. So when you talk about startups, you think about Boston, you think about Austin, you think about New York City. The glory of those areas is that everything is in walking distance. You right. can't walk from Cold Spring Harbor to Brookhaven no. National Laboratory. No. So part of that solution is doing a massive amount of networking events that anybody with an idea can intend. And the value of those networking events is you're meeting with state officials, you're meeting with business owners, you're meeting with individuals like Dr. Kevin Tracy of uh, the Feinstein Institute. You know, these yes. are world-class leaders that are looking for Nobel Peace Prizes, and you're going to be able to sit just like this and interact with them. I mean, you are accessing some things that some people have not thought about and imagined, but you are right there. You're on the front lines, and this is not something that you started yesterday. Let's dial back into Minority Millennials, which got you on this track. Yeah. Six years ago, you said you started in 2017? Yeah, 2017. I can't believe it's been that many years already. And I would say even before going into Minority Millennials, because the focus of that organization is civic education, understanding how power works, understanding how local government works. And that really positioned me to go into a lot of doors that I never thought about. I have no background with biotech and life right. science. Absolutely none. I'm right. working with people with... Uh, you know, PhDs and bioengineering degrees, and uh, they're kind of working with me to figure out the next steps. That's only because I got tapped into civic education. And because of you giving back and being willing to be involved to help others, it's opened a million doors for you, and you in turn are opening many, many doors for others. As we go in this conversation, you guys are gonna get to know Dan Lloyd, you're gonna see all the things that he's involved in, and how much he's doing is all about helping and impacting others. So we had the two comma conversation talking about Accelerate Growth and what's happening there, but you have a big project that's coming up in a couple of weeks. You're yeah, bringing yeah, some phenomenal yeah, yeah, people yeah. to Hofstra University. Let's talk about it. Yeah, no, I'm excited. I hope to make it there. <laughs> I didn't realize, you know, we, you have, when you have, you think big like you, you know, like you have big visions and big plans and then sometimes you gotta scale back. When we launched this idea, it was about a year ago, we had absolutely zero funding for it. Okay. Um, you know, and so, but we've been blessed to have amazing sponsors. It's mm -hmm. called We Are The Future Summit. Yes. And the purpose of that name is it, it, it embodies the last six years of our journey. Mm -hmm. The focus of Minority Millennials is to, again, help young people of color access jobs, build wealth, and become civically engaged. But really, we want the next generation, which is Gen Z, to as it becomes the most diverse generation in human history to at the same time parallel its understanding of power. Yes. And how not only are we saying you can be the next generation of change workers, but with the access to information that you have through technology, chat, GBT, and AI, you can make or break society. Yes. Literally, we can solve some of the oldest problems in human history or we can make some of the biggest problems and issues for ourselves if we don't really understand human interaction and emotions and a lot of these same things. And, and doing things the, the right way. So certainly there's no question about your agenda. So you're talking about um, the summit that you have coming up. You're talking about access and information. And earlier we talked about Accelerate Long Island. You mentioned the five big universities on Long Island. But let's spend a minute talking about EYL mm. and what's happened in the last three years and the amount of information that's available yeah. from the comfort of someone's home yeah. and how much that 
education has taken off and why you have them as the featured guests at the We Are Your Future Summit. Love it, because when you heard of financial literacy, you know, I've heard of it like the last 20, 25 years. It's something that was ringing, right? It was common, mm -hmm. but it wasn't sticking, I don't think, culturally wise. You know, mm -hmm. it, wasn't, it, was, it wasn't resonating to the point where it is now. And Earn Your Leisure, by far, have been the leading influences when it comes to financial health. Yes. And, and during COVID, because they were tapped into social media and they already had a following, and they broke down what it means to be financially literate for someone that was of a 12-year-old mindset yes. or just had the understanding, I don't know all this stuff. And so right. when I'm listening to them, I knew it, but it resonated and it was able to kind of integrate into my being as to, oh, this is what that means. Yes. This is why I need to get financially healthy and financially literate because I could have access to more credit and, you know, to your conversation earlier, that can 10x my access yes. to opportunities. Yes. Um, and it's something that many other communities and cultural, cultural groups knew. We're just learning it now. And Earn Your Leisure has continued to open up that door for us. So for the summit, we felt it was perfect to bring them to Long Island and to also to kind of segue what they're doing with financial literacy into what we're trying to do with policy and culture. Right. Because it's one of the two. It's, it's a beautiful marriage from, uh, from what I've observed from these gentlemen, what they're doing. I'm a huge fan of their work. I'm a huge fan of your work. And what they're doing on the financial side, you minority millennials, the groundwork you've laid, I think you have a model that can go nationwide in terms of teaching people. I mean, you said it, everything that you said, policy and culture, how do you bring those things mm -hmm. together? How do you go past the basic government education that we get yeah. in school yeah. to how does this really yeah. work? How do we have a voice in our own community. How did you work with Andrew and Bolden Max so he really could put his fingerprint on something that we wanted to do in our hometown? Yeah, and Andrew is obviously the co-founder of Minority Millennials. That's my business partner with Bolden Mac Basketball and the Mac Academy. And Minority Millennials came out of Bolden Mac, actually. Yes. You know, we were in the summertime the first year in 2017, and it was a local election coming up, town of Babylon. Uh, at the time, Sheriff Toulon was running, and the first district attorney, Tim Sini, was running with uh, Babylon Town Supervisor Rich Schaefer. And we were trying to get some of the people that were at the tournament to come to the meet and greet. And it was like, nah, <laughs> I'm not interested. And we were like, you know, how can we bridge this gap? We have a whole voting base right here. Yeah. That could be very powerful. Mm -hmm. And it was very difficult just to get 10 out of 1,000 people to attend this. And so we wanted to break down what it meant to be civilly educated and understand the basic principles of local government to our community and to our culture. And I did want to just define what we mean by culture, because culture, that word, could get manipulated, it could get distorted. So when we talk about bridging the gap between policy and culture, we reference culture to as what are our values yes. of the black and brown community? Yes. What are our values about how we look at um, self-development, you know, and also self-accountability, self-responsibility? Because yes. we have every single resource right now to take advantage yes. of this time, this moment. and there's also been influencers and leaders in the past that have really shown us what to do. So how are we making sure that we're, we're tying into intergenerational wisdom? Yes. My father put me on to a lot of information. It took me a long time to learn that, and I've been blessed that I can really um, chew on that now and regurgitate that back into everything that I do and talk about. But there's nothing new under the sun. No. So when we talk about culture, this is something that a lot of people before us have invested into, and we got to make sure that we're, in, we're maintaining integrity 
on those values and on those principles because as we access more policy and power, the way that we define our culture is how we're going to really be able to take leadership. It's going to dictate the next hundred years. So we're going to get deep in this conversation. First and foremost, formal condolences for the loss of your dad. Your dad was an absolute leader in the community. One of the things I've asked everybody on this podcast this season, season four, I've been asking about mentorship. Okay. How was your dad a mentor in your life and your passion for giving back to the community? I'm sure your mom as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I'd like for you to talk about your dad as a mentor and maybe other mentors that have guided you on this path. Yeah, you know, it's ironic. For a long time, I was like, I need a mentor. I need a mentor. I was looking for like a business mentor, a finance mentor. I didn't really know what I wanted to do. At some time, I was in the music industry, so I was like, I want a record executive mentor. And then around 30 years old, uh, I was going through some life struggles, and I was talking to my pops, and it clicked. I'm like, he's my mentor. <laughs> I didn't get it. You yes. know, I'm like, I'm sitting here ignoring him this whole time. And yes. He was just an incredible man. I, I mean, his his he's a man of integrity. Yes, literally, he has an, a unique story. Was involved in the drug trade in the seventies, eighties, and then uh, became a man of faith and, and opened up a number of nonprofits and a church. And he was the one that introduced me to the political realm. He's been telling me about this since I was 14, 15 years old. Yes. I joke. If I would have listened to him at 14, because I went to St. Anthony's for my first year, and I got yeah. expelled. That's how <laughs> much of a knucklehead I was. Oh like, my God. I didn't even understand the value of what they were doing for me. I got kicked out of St. Anthony's my freshman year. But I think about it, and he was telling me about the senators. And at 18, 19 years old, if I knew, I would have ran for office. Yes. I just didn't get it. You know, yes. I didn't appreciate it. So he was by far the greatest mentor. And I'm still every day able to tap into things he was telling me at, of course. at 10 years old, nine yes. years old, simple things. Yes. Um, most importantly was more of my faith. Yes. You know, that, that that's what grounds me and um, the fear of God, yes. you know, the fear of the Lord. Cause yes. you know, we can get crazy as people. It's easy. Ugh. It's easy. And you need that. Cause yes. you can lose your mind. Yes. <laughs> I've lost my yes. mind a couple of times. <laughs> so that brings me back keeps me humble no matter what that you know nothing is promised so by far he's been my greatest mentor and because of him I do a lot of mentorship I, I was doing mentorship actually um, in uh, Wine Edge Elementary from fourth and fifth graders for three years before COVID and then I kind of messed everything up but it's big and especially when you know uh, for me it was my father so it was super personal yes you know I've seen you in Milton Olive Middle School mm -hmm. uh, at vendor days when business owners would come in and we yeah. set up tables yeah, and yeah. you guys would be right there in the heart of the matter in the one of the most influential times. So yeah, we're throwing out words like Gen Z and minority millennials. For the people, let's yeah. put some parameters around <laughs> who is Gen Z and what is a millennial? Yeah. So by age, Gen Z is now 12 to 24 years old. So they're the group that literally are growing up with an iPhone. It, I, an iPhone launched in 2007. So they're the group that really first had this access. When I was in high school, I did not have an iPhone. I had a Nokia. I was playing Snake <laughs> on my phone. Um, I went into college. Facebook was still the new thing. There wasn't even Instagram no. when I was in college. So millennials are 25 to 41. We are getting a bit old. Um, and, you know, these are terms that are in reference to an age group. So eventually I'll be 85 years old, but I'll still be a millennial. Yes. So it'll still sound good. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It'll still sound good. You're, you're a part of it. Exactly. Do, you definitely understand that. And you do have access to more information. When I think of my sons, I have two millennials and I have one Gen Z. Um, the access to information that Gen Z has, uh, I'm the long-term business owner, but I get a lot of business tips 
from my Gen Z son yeah. and different ways he conducts his business, which he um, built a lot by himself without a lot of my guidance. Mm. He's just tapping into technology. He self-educates yeah. with many online tools, and it's an amazing phenomenon that's changing the way that people are learning, the yeah. way that businesses are formed, and, and everything else. But I digress. I want to come back. We've talked about minority millennials. We've talked about the We Are the Future Summit. Let's talk about some of the other work you've been doing right here in the town of Babylon. Talk about IDA a little bit. Yeah. So since 2000, actually with the COVID uh, pandemic, I was working with the Babylon Industrial Development Agency. And basically what that department does is it's there to attract businesses okay. to the town and to also help with financial incentives for housing development. And during that time, I was working and we were going, you know, due to different businesses just to ask them how they were doing. Were they able to access different uh, PPP programs and COVID loan programs? And a lot of minority businesses did not have the structure set up to really tap into those funds at the time. And so I was talking to the leadership there and I said, is there any way that we can kind of create a program that would focus more on small businesses because IDAs don't focus on small business or retail. Right. They're not structured to. They're structured to like million dollars or more right. um, and to provide tax incentives. And Governor Cuomo created a policy that allowed IDAs to focus on small businesses because of the pandemic. So I jumped on that. It's excellent because most businesses are, are small, especially when you're talking in Wine Edge, my hometown or the town of Babylon the main street, you know, yeah. whether it's the Amityville's, Wine Edge, Lindenhurst, those are smaller businesses in that they aren't, they're mom yeah. and pops. Yeah, exactly. And that's the heartbeat of those towns and those right. villages. So we launched the Economic Inclusion Program, <clears throat> which provided technical assistance, financial assistance, and at the time, uh, subsidized rent for certain small business owners. Yes. And so we were able to open up three business stores, uh, storefronts, one in Wine Edge and Straight Path, right in the heart of uh, the downtown area, 1529 Straight Path, which was Spin the Yard. Spin the Yard. Yep, they're doing incredible work. The other was the Mac Store, which was in Amityville yes. with Andrew. And then we have a third location, actually, which is in Wheatley Heights. It's in the uh, Wheatley Heights Plaza right across the VFW Hall, and that's going to be a yoga and a mental health studio. We need that. Yes. So before we segue, shout out to Andrew and the Mac. Shout out to my family, William and Renita Certain, Spin the Yard, just a great job. and. Yoga and mental health right in Wheaton yeah, High School. So that's, that. that's Miss Cheryl Unguzi, and that's uh, Reverend Saba's wife. Reverend Saba is the president of the uh, uh, NAACP branch in the town of Babylon. So they're great leaders, and, and they're going to bring a lot of value to that area right there and the town. So let, let's talk about uh, I'm a big fan of you personally, Drew personally, and what you guys have done, um, you said minority millennials, and you said one part of it is civic education. So how did you take a disinterested, disengaged group of young people mm -hmm. and make civic education? Talk about how it started and where you guys have grown to today. Yeah, you know, I think it's also kind of like reminding people, because when they talk about civic education, you think of like the three levels of government, um, you know, the judicial, executive, and the legislative branch. But that goes over a lot of people's heads because you're not thinking about that on a day-to-day -day right. basis. What we try to talk about is like, do you like getting bullied? Like, how does it feel if someone takes advantage of you, literally, yes. or disrespects your mom, yes. or disrespects your family? When you're not involved in the civic process, that's literally what is happening. Right. You're being disrespected because your community's not getting the resources. You're not even counted. If you don't fill out the census, you're like invisible. You, don't you mean nothing. Right. And you're missing out on millions of dollars. 
what I think resonated specifically with the basketball community was the actual investment into Boldemac. Yes. Where Andrew was able to, because he got tapped into the political process, was able to get new backboards, was able to get an investment. We have a new shed built there now. We're able to get the lights turned on. That was a basic, a that was a deal. little fight. It's a big deal. They wouldn't turn the lights on past eight o'clock. Yes. But civic be, being civically educated and engaged, we now have the lights on at 10 o'clock. And soon we're gonna have the lights on at two in the morning. But you know Boulder Mac. That's almost that's a that's a that's a uh, traditionally tough park. The same thing with with, with um Wyandanche Park. And so for the trust to be built, mm -hmm. to have those lights on, it has never been an incident. You know, knock on wood. And that's to Andrew, but that's also to the community and the trust of it. But we never had a fight, well, we never the, had the any incident. People are happy to be there. So this is um this podcast is broadcast everywhere to a nationwide audience. So there's some people, um, for people who don't know Boulder Mac, that's in Amityville, New York, um, Long Island. It's very similar to many parts of the country I've traveled to, Chicago, which I lived in for nine years. That's right, yeah. Um, California, which I visited many, many times. So these problems are not limited or isolated to Wyandotte or in Amityville. They're nationwide problems that people want to go safely back into the park. Yeah to enjoy a basketball game, to listen to music, to buy food from a food truck, mm -hmm. and see each other and fellowship. So exactly. it's a real good way to get together that doesn't cost a dime and allows us exactly. to exchange ideas. Um, when I look at what y'all did, it's it's amazing that just being able to play ball in the park, which was something that was taken for granted in my youth, but it was lost for years. Mm, yeah, There was no you know beautiful courts or dilapidated courts were empty, yeah. but you guys have people coming back and they're excited and yeah. it's an atmosphere. It is, it's beautiful. And uh, again, that's the bridging the gap between policy and culture because now we have not only local elected officials, but now we're bringing a lot more of the state you know, officials to come to Long Island. Long Island got the max, so it's basically our version of uh, Rucker and you know not if not this year in the next couple of years will be a direct competitor of like Where do you really want to go and play summer basketball and we want them to come to Long Island? We have some of the best players. We have the players yeah. uh, as a person that's coached youth basketball for 20 years and always trekked kids from Long Island and ran around every borough and around the country chasing tournaments my players from the city, my competitors from the city, they want to come to Long Island. It's a good experience for the kids yeah. and you bought plenty of kids out from Every, every borough to come to Long Island to play and just be in this atmosphere and enjoy this experience. Yeah, and the vision with that, and this is the direct pipeline to minority millennials, is like our goal is to have at least 10% of those youth, like those kids that come to Boulder Mac and just that environment, that culture, that demographic, where they're trained. They're not just trained to do a left-hand layup off of your right foot. You're trained to vote. Yes. It's, it's one of the same. Yes. You're trained to hold your uh, community accountable to if you're picking up the garbage because it's not just, oh, I'm picking up the garbage on the floor. It's do you respect your environment? And, yes. And it, it's literally one of the same. It's yes. A, it's a, yeah. And, and when you, you're using basketball instead of allowing basketball to use us. Exactly. So when you bring them in to, you know, that's never happened before where basketball has been a vehicle for, for boating and empowerment and inclusiveness and being counted so you can see what it does. You know my role in Wine Day for many years was bringing everybody together, but you guys, I can remember Drew approached me, and I think you were right there with them, watching Wine Day and said, Mr. Spann, I wanna be where you are and doing mm. what you're doing. Well, you guys have taken off, and I think you're gonna take off even further. So let's, let's dial back to the generation conversation. Not the definitions, we're clear on the ages. I'm a baby boomer. 
And I think the charge of my generation, me being born five years before Dr. King was killed, he had a dream. The role of my generation was to live that dream out, was to go forth into integrated colleges and to enter a newly integrated workforce. Yeah. And that was the task of my generation. I would say the task of your generation, of the millennials, and even Gen Z, is financial literacy. Yeah. Um, and I think it's the two common projects that you're involved in. It's the education from EYL, and everybody in their rightful place just doing more for more financial literacy and more ownership. How do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, I, I absolutely agree. I think at this point, um, if we don't really take advantage of the equity that's available yes. from a lot of different reasons, yes. from what you mentioned, from the early leaders to the work that you've been doing to what uh, other generations have been putting in, but then also accessing information through technology, um, and then also taking advantage of the racial commitments that have happened from corporations, from the murder of George Floyd and the pandemic. I, I would say this, I don't think that that door is gonna be open for a long time yes. for a number of different reasons. So we have maybe maximum 10 years to really get that financially healthy investment into our communities before I do think a lot of the structures will gonna be, are gonna be breaking down and then rebuilt. And Gen Z politically, is that's where it's gonna be important as it's rebuilt to understand what is it that we're trying to do moving forward. Because if not, it could just go back to the same Oh, issues. very easy. Very if, easy. If we're, if, we're later, if, we're, if we're lazy and we don't take advantage of this opportunity, and I love your use of the word equity. Equity is everything. Yeah. Equity is a, is a key word. It, mean, it means everything to me. So there's so many places my mind is racing in terms of where I want to go. This is what I want to come back to. The opportunities that we have right now, the 30% set aside. So let's talk about New York State mm -hmm. and what some current and aspiring small business owners should be doing to position themselves to take advantage of some of the 30% set aside that's available today yeah. and they go away. Because I think opportunities are like waves in the water. You have to be there, you got to catch it. So let's talk about catching the wave right now for what's available. Yeah, you definitely have to be prepared. And to be prepared, you have to almost have insight as to what's going to happen and position yourself to take advantage of those opportunities. So when the state says there's 30% allotted to minority women and service disabled veteran business owners, that means a lot of times that could be construction projects, it's a lot of different procurement opportunities, it could be even, even if you have a restaurant, like this was big in COVID, where a lot of entities or government entities needed to uh, subcontract to restaurants to provide food for uh, different community groups. It could be if, even if you own a shampoo or a conditioner. For instance, Sands New York. Okay. They have a procurement company, academy coming up uh, April 20th. One of the allotments is going to be they need companies, local companies, to provide them the actual uh, shampoo for their hotel rooms. So people wouldn't think that's a subcontract. Okay, I'm going to use my second time out. Yeah. All right. Provide the shampoo. So that means an innovative person out there that's listening to this, I can buy shampoo wholesale, mm -hmm. form a company, span shampoo services, mm -hmm. and I can then sell that to Sands and I can be the minority procurement contractor? Yep, only thing is you would have to be certified. So that's what I was gonna get to, being prepared is you would wanna get that state certification. You yes. need that year of revenue. So you wanna start potentially one, definitely, uh, contracting yourself. Yes. Right? So you're kind of already selling your own product to yourself. It could be to 
a family member, you just need to show those deposits in your account to get certified. You need one year of revenue in that business account, and then you can get that state certification. And then, and it's that's not new. You know, a lot it's of been around. yeah, that's been around. It's, it's, been around. it's white labeling, yeah. and and so you know, there's a lot of Amazon services that do that, but physical services that do that. Same thing with trucking. You know, there's there's a huge supply chain that's going to come down with sands, and not just sands. I'm just using an example: offshore wind. Yes. Is, is a massive industry that we're doing a lot of work in as well. Um, these companies, these offshore wind developers, are gonna need a lot of minority businesses to provide their services. That could be anywhere from, again, um, sheet metal, to construction, to trucking, um, almost any, so one of the things they were talking about was they need specific gear for when they go offshore. So on the vessels and on the um, boats. They're going to need a company to provide them with that specific type of material. I know the company. I got him minority certified. Mm -hmm. and I'll have him talk to you offline yeah, yeah. about about this. So this is this is incredible. This is this is why I podcast people. I love having these individual conversations that can get people information to empower them yeah. to do the next thing that's possible. So we t started with some two comma conversations. We've had some one comma conversations. One of the things I love that you've been involved in, you're not just doing work on the high end with science and technology and big companies. You're doing some of the most important work that I think we've missed out on, which is getting people union jobs. Mm. Talk about that. Talk about what you've done to try to open some of those union doors for us. Yeah, I would say definitely salute to the union leadership, the Long Island Federation of Labor, um, Roger Clayman, John Durso, Ryan Stanton, and Erica. You know, union in the past has been very difficult to get into. Yes. A union job. Yes. On Long Island, across, you know, across the country. Yes. And when you think about middle class, working class America, definitely Long Island, it was built off of those union jobs. Yes. It built a lot of wealth when yes. you talk about financial literacy. That was also a way to keep certain community groups from actually accessing equity in that middle class wealth. Yes. That was also a comparison to civic education. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of Irish and Italians were able to get themselves into union jobs and then they used those opportunities as doors for their family. Yes. Those doors are now open to black and brown communities. The union leadership on Long Island is saying, um, we have to open these doors and provide equity. So we've been blessed as an organization. And again, we positioned ourselves as an organization to do this with workforce development because we're directly talking to the demographic, they're looking to get into unions. And you guys have done the work with Spin the Yard, you've partnered with them, mm -hmm. you're doing the OSHA education, you're opening the door for all that to happen so people can get in. So, so people, this is why we're at the Palace event space, this is why we're having the behind the red door conversation. Yeah. My goal in us having this conversation is that it goes to the basketball court, the barbershop, the church, so the conversation continues. You guys locally, you know Danny, you know to hit him up, he's available, he's accessible. Yeah. How does someone get involved locally with minority millennials? We can definitely follow our page and then there's, there is a link, there's a membership link. We are going to start charging for membership. This is the first time we've never done that before, but I, you know, scaling and for growth reasons. After the summit, which is April 27th, it will be a small fee. Uh, but there's a very simple membership form, and then we provide you with all insight and access to our different events, information. Um, we have a lot of relationships when it comes to public-private partnerships, and so we're able to directly connect people to those relationships, and that's the value that we bring as an organization. So 
on social media, all social media, it's Minority Millennials. And that's M-I-N-O-R-I-T-Y, Millennials with two L's and two N's. Yes. Um, and, you know, it's, 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 it, we're active, we're growing. After the summit, we're definitely going to be launching charter organizations across the country. We've been having a lot of interest for that, but now I think we have the infrastructure and the setup. So we're excited. It's, it's, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful time to be excited about all that you've done and all that you do. And I do think you guys have the blueprint for the nation. I think you have the blueprint for the nation that other organizations that are looking to, to solve for X, they're going to reach out to you and definitely get involved. So it's April. I just learned today that April's Financial Literacy Month. That's right. Let me ask yeah. you a, a personal financial question. You're a young man. You're moving and shaking in all these places. What is one financial literacy lesson that you would share to young people listening to this? Maybe something that you wish you learned younger and applied at a younger age. You know, it's, it's difficult because it's so cliche uh, and it's something that I knew and I still didn't pay attention to it, but do not take advantage of your credit score. That can make or break anything you do. I'm still rebuilding it from my 20s and I'm getting into a position where now I can, like I said, mentioned earlier, 10 exit. Um, it's, you know, as an entrepreneur, accessing capital is extremely important to uh, advancing your idea. Yes. And if you're an entrepreneur, advancing your idea is literally advancing your dream, yes. your purpose, your passion, like your livelihood. And a lot of us don't make it because we can't figure out the monetization point. It's sad, you know, and, and I've been in that road. I mean, I've had countless, countless, like years and nights where I just couldn't figure out how to monetize my idea. Um, and if you are able to figure out how to communicate, package, and uh, propose your idea in a way that it can attract capital, being financially literate and healthy is going to make your life a million times uh, more prosperous and um, energized. You know, it's just, it's not gonna drain you so much. And so one of the basic things to that is credit. And I, I'm a risk taker though, so I, I, I am a little different when I talk about credit because I do think you should take some risk. You must. You have to. And if you don't come from money, you don't have access to that capital, flex that first credit card, but make sure that idea is monetizing. Yeah. Because if it's not, then you know, you're just spending and wasting money. So I would say that, that to me has been like the biggest thing for me to still balance and figure out. Uh, that's, that's a beautiful thing. It's amazing that you, you share that. So we talk a lot. I ask the financial literacy question, I ask the mentorship question, that's something I'm working on personally um, at this venture, that's my next big project. Uh, I'm launching very, very soon the Kevin Spann Mentorship Value Program, nice. where you be the MVP, and all I wanna do is mentor young people that wanna be, in, maybe that don't know about various industries. I'll start with mine with insurance, but business is all the same. Yeah. There's, there's, there's a formula that needs to be shared so people can monetize yeah. their ideas. You know, in my youth, when I think of my younger self, um, I was fortunate enough to grow up during this billion-dollar industry that took off called hip-hop music. Mm. And we thought it was just music, and we thought it was just culture. But when you fast forward, and you can quickly name the four or five billionaires that we have from that that industry. So now we're in a three-comma conversation. Yeah. Um, while we have the five that are at the top, there are hundreds of thousands of others that never had a chance to own any of their music or yeah. eat off it or eat off of the 
use the word culture, which I used to define as a way of life. When I look at what's happening now in the digital age and the opportunity and the ideas that start with very, very young people, i.e. hip hop music, I see the trajectory and I see it broad and wide. I can see 50 years mm. down the road. You know, yeah. when I think of my own um, son and him starting a business at age 17, age 18, there was no need to <clears throat> spend a lot of money in a university when he has access to learning so much and doing so much. Yeah. Um, himself so the, the future is very very different yeah. you have to think about it different but your financial literacy tip was wonderful yeah. and um, being mindful of credit but to be an entrepreneur you must bet on yourself you have to you must bet on yourself i can't convince you to believe in me if i'm not investing in myself yeah and i think what you mentioned with your son like self-educating <clears throat> that's one thing that our community is really starting to take a closer look at because we did preach higher education for three decades mm -hmm. Although it, we do have a lot more educated black and brown individuals, that return on investment didn't quite hit the way it was supposed to. So now we have another option, which is that self-education, that entrepreneur route, the skills and trade. We're recognizing, all right, maybe don't go pursue that four-year degree unless you know specifically, specifically what you, what you want to do. do. Your yeah. doctors, your yeah, lawyers, exactly. your engineers, absolutely yeah. go to school. But if you think you're going to be a young entrepreneur, if you have a knack for your hand, Get certified yeah, in that field. Yeah. If you're interested in financial services, get your real estate license, yeah. your insurance license, your lender license. Yep. Get licensed and become a professional. Yep. If you're a part of a new field that there is no blueprint for yet, mm -hmm. go to EYL mm. and begin to educate yourself. Go online. Don't yep. just use your phone as a toy. You have access to all the information in the world. Yeah. You mentioned something that I'm very adept to, that I'm using uh, in my personal life and business right now. Use chat. GBT. Yeah. GBT. Yeah, yeah. Talk about that, about how you're using that in some things right now. People don't know about, people aren't tapping into the artificial intelligence that's very much a part of our life right now. Yeah. I mean, it's an artificial intelligence tool that's it's evolving right now mm -hmm. as we speak. Like, the more that you use it, the more data it collects and it gets stronger and gets more powerful. We're really creating an entity that's probably, it is going to displace a lot of our jobs. Mm -hmm. So to go back to your point, this is why it's so valuable to have a specific skill set to really communicate who you are, what value you bring to the 21st century economy, because ChatGBT is basically taking your assets and your resources as you speak to it, as you give it information, create my resume, update my profile, uh, what's the best way to learn how to become an insurance agent? You're giving something that's that's monetizing it faster than we're processing it. Right. And that's what this tool is doing. And it's doing it by three billion people. Yes. <laughs> so it's yes. Not, it's, it's multiplying, it's, it's learning at a yeah, pace. Yeah. Um, so it's something that we have to tap into. So people, if you don't know what it is, chat GPT, check it out, learn about it, think about how to monetize your ideas. Dan, we've had a wonderful, wonderful conversation. Um, anything that you wanted to share with people that I didn't ask you about? Uh, no, I mean, I, I think there's a book that I read. It's by Cal Newport. It's called Deep Work. It's something that really, really means a lot to me. And when we talk about this moment in time, we do have a lot of access to information, but then we also have a lot of um, confused young people because we have so many different things to choose from right now. And in this book, he talks about that the most valuable skill set in the 21st century economy is the ability to focus. Yes. And it's something that I'm really taking a lot of pride in right now in my personal life, and it's changing my life. I'm actually able to now break down my day into three days because I can focus.
right? So I'm doing like a six to 10, I take a two hour break. Then I'm doing like a one to four, I'll take another break or two. And then I'll do like an eight to 11. And I'm very committed to what I'm completing in those three days mm -hmm. in one day. Mm -hmm. So I'm maximizing my time. A lot of people ask me, like, how do you do it? Honestly, like, I'm, I'm manipulating time, but I'm only manipulating time because I'm able to focus, and it's extremely hard to focus right now. And one thing, because you have the, the downside of the information age, you have access to so much. At any given moment, you cannot focus, and you can pursue one of your passions and find out who won the game and who's going to be the top team and March Madness is very easy to get distracted but when you read things like deep work mm -hmm. um, I'll add a couple of uh, books to that list that I think are along the same line there's the four-hour work week yep. which is a powerful book mm -hmm. um, your next five moves very very powerful and getting you focused and then the the ultimate one that I like is the 5 a.m. club is starting really early yeah. and getting so much done I am a card-carrying member of the 5 a.m. really club. Oh my gosh! Yeah, I tried five a.m. Six a.m. works for me. I can't do five a.m. But you may be nocturnal. <laughs> yeah, you yeah. might be nocturnal. Yeah, yeah, so okay. you might be. Yeah. You might excel. Yeah. We're wrapping this up eight o'clock tonight, and you might have another three hours in you. I'm done. I've been up since four o'clock this morning. Okay, okay. So yeah. I'm. I, I have nothing else to offer the okay. world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. After I'm I done. get home safely You're tonight, <laughs> that's it. But yeah. I'm a card-carrying member of the five a.m. club. I don't own an alarm clock. I never have. Wow. Automatically, I'm wow. up. And it's time to go. I call it the God hours because it's so many things I do before the world wakes up. Mm. And usually a good percentage of my primary workday is done. Right there. And then I pursue my passions the rest of the day. Nice. But you are on the right path. I haven't heard of that book. I will download it, listen to it it's on incredible. Audible incredible. and dig in. And I like deep work because it, it makes you think about yourself. It makes you really think about your, yourself. Okay. Yeah, and, and yeah. yeah, and you know that, you know, like, to me, the, one of the most important things is identity. It's something I struggled with for quite some time, but I, knowing yourself, knowing your purpose, finding that out, eh, it's incredible, it's so powerful. You know, you can do anything at that point. Especially being able to spend time with yourself. That's it. I mean, we all speak to ourselves. It's really like figuring out how are you uh, communicating to yourself who that person, that voice really, it's your soul. It's, it's your soul. Yeah. And I think it's important to talk nice to yourself all the time. You have to. Talk talk nice to yourself every day. The most talk a lot about real estate on the show. The most important real estate is these six <sighs> inches of real estate between your yeah, ears. Your mind, it's yeah. very important to say positive things to yourself no matter what is going on. You have to. On the outside, you must still speak life into every situation mm -hmm. that you're in. Yep. You know, if you you think you're gonna do great today, if you think you're doomed, either way you're right. Yep. Either Absolutely. way, whatever yeah. you think, whichever way you think about it, you're right. 110%. Dan, you have been absolutely phenomenal. Uh, you've already given your contact information. People can find you on Minority Millennial. One more time, let's talk about the upcoming event one more time. Yep, Thursday, April 27th. It is We Are the Future, powered by AT&T. We have some incredible sponsors, and Equinor is a big offshore wind company. We are doing this in partnership with CN State. We have confirmed Lieutenant Governor Antonio Delgado. We have New York City Public Advocate Jumani Williams, Senator Jamal Bailey, Assemblywoman Michelle Chalange. We have um, Councilman Kevin Riley from the Bronx. We have all boroughs. First of all, we're bringing the boroughs to Long Island. Yes. That's what we're doing, too. Yes. We're, we're bringing the city and state to Long Island. So, and that was done purposely so that our youth can see that this is things that are happening outside of the area, but also I wanted the elected officials from the city to see what we're doing right. on Long Island. And then of course we have Earn Your Leisure. We're super excited about them. 
me and Andrew are gonna do the fireside chat with them on the stage. We already have over a thousand students registered to attend this summit, so it's gonna be a great atmosphere. It's from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m. at the David S. Mack Arena. It's in the basketball arena, so we're gonna have a lot of fun. We have a, a special guest performance. I'm not gonna make That's the okay. announcement right now. Okay. But it's definitely going to be uh, and you have a thousands. So I've been to David Mack plenty of times. Always hosting the playoffs. Yes. Um, this is going to be wonderfully insane. Um, I can't wait to see you there. I'm not going to meet you there. I'm going to beat you there. There you go. Let's <laughs> Real get it. early and yeah. taking everything for the day. Yes. Ladies and gentlemen, Dan Lloyd, founder, president, Minority Millennials and many other titles, way more than I can retain. <laughs> if you missed anything we talked about, rewind, tell a friend, share it, comment below. Super excited. Thank you for coming to Wind Down with Kev. Yes, sir. And kicking it behind the red doors at the Palace of Bench Place. Yes, Thank sir. you, man. Appreciate Absolutely. you. Thank you.